We are at the very heart of Pessoa's Lisbon. We will walk down Chiado towards Rossio. In 1909, Fernando Pessoa received an inheritance. He left his aunt's house and lived alone for the first time. He rented an apartment at Rua da Glória. He had to wait until the age of 21, at that time majority was only at 21, to receive an inheritance from his father's mother, and he decided to set up a printing press. He saw an advert in the newspaper O Seclo for a publishing house that was for sale in Porto Alegre. He went there, brought the machines, and called the publishing house Company Ibis Typography and Publisher, Steam Factory. Pessoa's attraction to this was not at all innocent. It was not just because of the beauty of the bird. Ibis, the Egyptian bird, always standing on one foot, which is fairly odd. It's quite a quiet bird because with only one foot, it won't walk the earth. And this was a symbol, because this was a sacred bird, an Egyptian god, Thos. And Thos was the scribe of the gods, so he was the inventor of writing. And it also had to do with magic. And then there's a mystery. This typography seems never to have worked, but it's not quite like that. He printed a newspaper there in the Algarve, o povo Algarvio, a Lule newspaper. But his idea was to print his own texts, not to depend on anyone. He could publish his texts in Portugal and in England. After a few months, bankrupt, he shuts up shop, sells the presses, and that's it. He moves on to something else. And then there's a letter from his mother in which she says, Fernando, you have to be careful about putting yourself into these situations. Look what happened to you with that Ibis thing. But clearly it did not work because he had no ability for business. I mean, he had a way for what we know, which was writing. (laughs) Ibis was the first in a series of unsuccessful businesses. But Pessoa had other skills that few people had in Portugal a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, knowing languages in Portugal was a very important tool in the job market. And he knew languages very well. He knew English, of course, and French too. From 1908, he was 20, 21 years old. He started working in several offices as a correspondent in foreign languages. 
what for? To ensure correspondence with the international market, with international companies, etc. And therefore, he started working very early. In fact, in 1908, there is a thing, an extraordinary document, which is in the 1908 diaries, which is a plan for life. In this plan for life, he calculates how many covenants he needs to have and how many offices he has to work with to give him X dollars a month to allow him to devote himself to writing. This means that at the age of 20, Fernando Pessoa knew very well what he wanted to be, which was to be a writer. He was a freelancer. He was always a freelancer. His family in Lisbon got him jobs in English companies. But of course, he had to be a functionary or a permanent employee. But he would have to say goodbye to his freedom and would have to be a person ruled by time. So he refused several jobs that might as well have solved his financial problems, his existential problems forever, but which would render his dreams as an artist as a writer, his enormous ambition, impossible. It must be said that it was already a great ambition of the young Fernando Pessoa to have a major work that would make him the great writer of his generation and of his time. So he earned little, he was always in need. And he was this sort of man. If he had tennis scooters in his pocket, if he had a friend who was distressed, hey, give me tennis scooters. He would give away the tennis scooters and would then be penniless. He lived in rooms, poorly fed. He borrowed money constantly. He had chestnuts in his pocket. He was always cheating the stomach. He was now and then at the famous literary gatherings in Café Montana, where he was talking to his fellows, and suddenly he reached into his pocket and pulled out a chestnut. And who reports this? His friend Francisco Peixoto Bourbon, who even affirms that he was sometimes starving. I, I think he had hard times, because he spent all the money. But he, he never lived in misery. For example, we have an invoice for clothing bought in Lorenzo Santos, which was a great tailor of Lisbon, downtown in Restauradores. There were two stores downtown, today there's only one. In the diaries of 1913 or 1915, in these diaries, for example, he says one night when he walks downtown that he's going to Peter. Peter was the Peter Hosiery which still exists today. That was the most elegant hosiery in Lisbon, that is to say, the most exclusive one. He was very sensitive, for example, to the way of dress, the elegance, the clothes, all of those things. He was a person who took very good care of his appearance and well-being. He bathed in cold water. His white shirt was always very clean. Irene was the washerwoman. She entered the building of Rua Coelho de Rocha, 
rang the doorbell and came in with a basket. And in the basket there was a bag, a bag in raw cloth, which you probably don't even know. So the cloth had an F and a P for Fernando Pessoa, hemmed in red. And then she would come in with the bag and say, here you are, Mr. Pessoa, your laundry. He always had Irene to handle his clothes. And he was always flawless with a tie or more frequently with a bow tie. It was usually a black bow, sometimes dark grey, but also grey. And then the hat. Well, they always put him with a hat on nowadays, don't they? But I remember him without the hat because at home he wasn't wearing a hat, was he? He had that trim look. I think it's a certain English influence as well. Also, he was a person who spent a fortune on books. Fortune! But then he had to sell them to get more money. He rarely left Lisbon. Not even the, the city centre. Fernando Pessoa had the, those habits, didn't he? He was a man of habits and, and then the habit of drinking. He worked in those companies and in those commercial offices. There are dozens and dozens of companies. We have the testimony of the letterheads used to write letters. And he was sometimes working, getting up and saying, I'll be right back. And then he went to Abel, drinking a glass of or two and went back to work. So that was something that was part of his day-to-day -day life. And he had a sense of humor, a great sense of humor. The fact that he goes to Abel, that cellar, already known and caught in the act of drinking, flagrante de litro, to have some drinks, and then when he comes back, the son of his boss, Montigny de Almeida, asks him, how can you drink so much? How can you keep it together? You seem like a sponge. And Pessoa said, a sponge, no, not just a sponge, a sponge factory with an attached warehouse. That kind of humour can only exist in people who are tragic. I really think this. Then, at the end of his life, he tries to go back to get a permanent job, but he cannot. And he becomes very unhappy. He's unhappy because he already longed for such a stability, so that he could devote himself in his spare time to his literary activities. But that was only in 1932. Pessoa was already 44 years old, and a considerable amount of his work was still unpublished. His preoccupation with organizing the work was excessive. If you are already at Roussillou, you can start the next episode.